Welcome to the inbox. On this series, we are chatting to decision makers and prospects about what their inbox looks like and how we can stand out from it. So let's crack on with this episode. You're about to hear from Jason Bay, who you've probably seen on your LinkedIn feed already. But what's so interesting about speaking to Jason is we're not just getting an insight into his inbox, but also the many other decision makers he talks to. And I'm not just talking about sales leaders, I'm talking about the other personas as well. So here's what you can expect from this episode. Even if you're not reaching out to a publicly traded company, go to seekingalpha.com and then type in a publicly traded company that's very similar to the private company that you're reaching out to, even if it's quite a bit bigger. And what you can do is you can look at the quarterly reports and oftentimes there's a live recording of the call. So you could just listen to a chief marketing officer talk about their digital marketing initiatives for 2021 and how it's impacting retail and all this other stuff. That's what I do when I'm doing research for a client before I train them. So you're about to hear from someone who has a real bird's eye view into what sales outreach salespeople are sending, but also what buyers are getting. So thanks for joining me on this episode, and I'm excited for you to hear some juicy tips and examples from Jason. So let's do this. So I'm wanting to know what your inbox or what your client's inboxes look like today. And by inbox, I mean phone, LinkedIn, email, all the other channels and how hectic it is. Yeah. Well, you bring up a really good point because the when I train a company, the first thing I talk to them about is, well, who is your biggest competitor? And most people that train that will say, oh, it's status quo. It's, you know, changing. Right. Like, yeah, I, I guess, you know, but with Outbound, your biggest competitor is all of the other people vying for your prospect's attention. Yeah. That's your biggest competitor. So the thing I show them is my my email inbox. So we can start with email first. I think email is probably for most prospects, the channel where they get the most noise from salespeople because it's the easiest uh, to use. There are, you know, so there's software like SalesLoft, and then there's stuff that costs like 20, 30 bucks a month that will allow you to send out a thousand bulk emails in a click. So I think that from a, like, if we just start with volume, email is where it's heaviest and the hardest to break through for most personas, followed by LinkedIn, and then followed by phone. For most people, the phone, especially their cell phone, is the least called channel from for B2B salespeople. I, like if I'm looking at, here, I'll just look at my phone. And I'm not a big wig at a, at a large company, obviously. But if I look at my phone, I see one, two, three, four, five, six. Six missed calls from probably salespeople, I would imagine, in the last week. The last week. Really that what you meant today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, and that's crazy. A, yeah. And that's and then maybe two voicemails, you know? No but emails, it's it's dozens per of emails per week. And the people that you know, a lot of the folks that I'm helping are working enterprise and what I try to get them to realize is that the people you're emailing are getting they could be getting hundreds of cold yeah. emails on a monthly basis. They might even have their assistant and they're helping them triage their inbox. Yeah. So just from a volume standpoint, what I see across the board is that emails got 10x the activity of the next closest thing, LinkedIn and then phone. Why do you think the yeah. phone is the least? Um, I think for a lot of reasons. The, <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> biggest one is pretty basic. It's uh, basic call reluctance. And yeah. then we can talk about where that comes from. I think it comes from two things. One is that 
you know, a lot of the SDRs and BDRs making these calls. It's their first sales job usually for a lot of them. So they've never had to cold call before. So there's just kind of a fear of doing that in general. And then the other thing that I see is, you know, when, when you start your call off with, you know, Hey, Charlotte, this is Jason with Blissful Prospecting. And then you go immediately into some sort of pitch, you're going to get a lot of rejection doing that. And that doesn't feel very good. So I think that there's this lack of basic training around how to do something that's a little more customer centric and less product focused cold call. So those are the two kind of basics. So we can dive into either of those if you want, but I think yeah, the phone is it's just call good. reluctance and uh, not know, really knowing what to say when you do get someone on the phone. Yeah. So let's dive into the second part, like being mm. more customer centric and not knowing what to say when on the phone. Yeah. So I was just doing a, a live webinar with Ryan Research. I don't know if mm -hmm. you've seen any of his stuff. He uh, he runs, he does a bunch of different stuff, but he's got this company phone ready leads. That's pretty cool. And he does these live webinars where he'll make cold calls and he brings on someone like me to help him with coaching. So what we did is we built a talk track together. And the, the way that people normally cold call is if we kind of break it down into three buckets, there's an intro and there's kind of this middle stage. I call it a hook where you get to ask questions and that sort of stuff. And there's this close, you know, mm -hmm. does it make sense or not to schedule a meeting? Well, in the intro, in the most basic sense, it's, hey, make sure that the person knows who you are and where you're calling from and they use some sort of permission-based opener. What order you do those in, that's just like whatever works for you is great. But once you get past the, hey, this is Jason, can I get 30 seconds till I'm calling? You can let me know if you want to keep chatting. Once you get past some sort of variation of that, so whatever you say, you should get 90% of the time, the person should say yes to your permission-based opener, whatever it is. From there, you have to replace your elevator pitch with what I call a priority drop. So the way that we're going to explain things and what we do is by talking in the context of what is important to you first. And then I'm going to ask questions around that. And then that's going to position me to talk about how I could help with that. I'm going to treat the cold call almost like how you would treat a mini discovery call, except for you're not going to do a lot of discovery. But in a discovery call, you don't start the call off by just talking about what you do yep. and then just going on and on and on about that. So don't do the cold call like that. So what we worked on yesterday with Ryan with this priority drop is um, he's talking to demand gen leaders. So, you know, one of them was a demand gen leader, uh, I think at Verizon or something like pretty big companies. And what he talked about and what I coached him around was, you know, if you say, hey, Charlotte, uh, when I talk to de demand gen leaders like yourself, typically I hear a focus around one of two things. Uh, one, you're generating a lot of leads for the sales team but for whatever reason, they're not converting. And when you hand them off, a very low percentage of them are even picking up the phone and it is really driving down your lead conversion. Uh, two, the second thing that I hear is this uh, increase in you know CAC or cost of acquisition. So because in-person events aren't really a thing right now, you've had to do a lot of other forms of marketing. The lead volume is lower and you need to get more out of the leads that you're providing to the sales team and drive the cost down. Which one of those two things are you focused most on? And when he did that and got the chance to do that, it just created a whole conversation around those two points. So you have to nail those priorities. Yeah. But what that allows you to do is the prospect might ask you a bunch of different questions at that point. Well, what do you do? Or they might ask, well, yeah, I'm really focused on number one. How can you help with that? Give me the pitch. That's what, that's what this woman said. So now the prospect is asking me questions in the cold call versus me having to pitch. And I'm totally able to talk about my solution 
in a way that fits around what I know that they're probably working on right now. So I'll go ahead and pause there. That's that's the that's the focus is let, let's talk less about what we do and talk more about what they're up to. Yeah. And they're naturally let's get them to ask us what we do. I think we've like back in the days, it was such a case of just pitching as soon as you get on the phone, but we need to understand that yeah. we need to move away from this. How can someone find these top two priorities that you've mentioned there? Because they're super specific to demand generation. How can someone find these two? Yeah. Well, I think you post a lot of good advice. I want to hear yours though. <laughs> so a lot of this is, so let's talk through, I think there's a couple situations you might find yourself in if you're watching this. One is you're an SDR or BDR and you're not getting to do the sales calls. So in that case, the very first person I'm going to talk to is my account executive. And what you're going to ask them, or preferably you just watch their recordings of sales calls. At the beginning of the call, at some point, usually people ask, you know, hey, what are your priorities right now? What are you working on right now? There's some sort of big goal priority initiative that gets talked about. That's where you want to pay super close attention. So what I want to know as an SDR and BDR is not what my product does and how it helps. What I actually want to know that's more important than that is the people that I'm reaching out to, what do they tend to be working on? What are they focused on? What are their priorities? And you're going to start to find that 80% of the people that you talk to, 90% that your, your client account exec talks to, they're kind of working on the same stuff yeah, in varying different degrees. And you're also going to find they use a very similar language to talk about things too. That's the lowest hanging fruit. I would start there. The other thing that you can do too is look at your company's case studies. You can look at competitor case studies if you don't have really good ones. Um, this is kind of a little uh, cheat code, I think, that people don't think about. Even if you're not reaching out to a publicly traded company, go to seekingalpha.com and then type in a publicly traded company that's very similar to the private company that you're reaching out to, even if it's quite a bit bigger. And what you can do is you can look at the quarterly reports and oftentimes there's a live recording of the call. So you could just listen to a chief marketing officer talk about their digital marketing initiatives for 2021 and how it's impacting retail and all this other stuff. That's what I do when I'm doing research for a client before I train them is I can listen to an actual prospect talk about what they're focused on. And usually those calls are transcribed. Well, in every case they're transcribed and some of the time they have a PowerPoint deck too. So I can get an idea of what people like them are focused on. I could look at G2 reviews. Um, there's a, I got a little list of stuff here. I don't think I missed anything. There's G2 reviews. Oh, job descriptions, I know is a big one for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so looking at job descriptions for either the company's career page, and you can also look at just kind of general job descriptions of things that they would post on. LinkedIn actually has some really good stuff. Um, you know, a big product of LinkedIn's is for recruiters. So the way they want to help recruiters with job ads is they post really good templates on how to advertise a job for that specific role. So if you go to, I think it's business.linkedin.com or just go on Google and type in LinkedIn, uh, VP of marketing job description, yeah. they have really good templated job descriptions that'll give you like a really high level sort of broad understanding of what this person does. Yeah, I would do that. And then lastly, depending on the um, vertical that you're reaching out to in the persona, oftentimes just doing some research on 15 or 20 of the prospects LinkedIn profiles you're reaching out to, and again, this kind of depends because certain ones are filled out more than others, but oftentimes anything that's marketing, sales related, IT people are pretty good at this. They'll have a lot in the description and the work experience. 
and it'll tell you exactly what they care about because they brag about results that they've achieved at their company. And you start looking at this across multiple profiles and you start seeing that people brag about the same stuff and the same results. So you can start to get a pattern there of what people care about too. So if you're really starting from scratch and want to get a better understanding, there's, I mean, I think we've listed half a dozen. Yeah, so, there's honestly so much you can do as well. So much. I love the seekingalpha.com. I haven't actually done that one yet. And then also asking like when you're on a cold call, if they're like, look, none of this is interesting to me, be like, look, I've obviously missed the mark here. I'm actually trying out new talk tracks. Can you at least let me know what your top two priorities are? And then I'll, I'll go try yep. them on a load of other sales leaders or marketing leaders or whoever else you're targeting. There's so much yep. information on the phone. I think a lot of sales leaders and a lot of leaders I'm speaking to, where every single time I ask them, how many calls are you getting? It's the same situation as you. It's like, not that many. I'm just bombarded by in-mails or I'm bombarded yeah. by emails and stuff like that so yeah it's uh, crazy phone <laughs> but yeah. let, let's move away from cooling and let's look at some of the other ones you said the next next most busy one is linkedin after email. Yeah. so let's look at email uh, linkedin what kind of outreach are you seeing on linkedin preferably ones that are maybe yeah. standing out and ones that are maybe kind of blending into the background as well yeah, so I, I will talk about what I receive and then also I can talk to what I see sales teams that I work with sending out that's both good and bad. So, I mean, the, the pitch slap has been out of style for a, a long time now. <laughs> so if you're doing any kind of pitching in the connection request, yeah. that's immediately going to stand out as a bad thing. So don't ask for a meeting in the connection request. You could say that you want to connect to see if it makes sense to chat. That's you know, I'm fine with that being straightforward, but don't drop a calendar link or calendar booking link or anything like that. Um, the other thing that I see sticking out too is please change your headline. If you're an account executive or an SDR, change the headline on your LinkedIn profile to not say business development rep at, you know, blissful prospecting or account executive, just a one liner with eight to 10 words on what it is that you like help people with or a problem that you fix is great. So the odds of people accepting your connection requests go up dramatically if you have a good headline that's very customer centric. So the thing that I'm seeing is, uh, and again, this is the message. And then you also need to think about the landing page, like your profile page. So just some quick tips there is actually fill out your profile page in the about section and talk about some things that are human. So interests, hobbies, anything like that is perfectly good to write. Uh, you could talk about, like, think about the customer story. You know, what kind of problems do people typically come to you with and how do you help? Just really basic stuff. It doesn't need to be super fancy. Hey, if you're on my profile, you're probably a this or a that, and you might be running into one of these three problems. If you are, here are some ways that we can help. If not, follow me for content on this or posts on this or, or whatever, you know? Um, so I think that like thinking of your landing page is one, that's just a really basic thing to do. The other thing that I see people really messing up on, I know this is not really like a, a messaging thing necessarily. It's, it's more about how they're using the platform. I think a lot of stock is put into the connection request when there's so much you can do outside of that. So one of the things I recommend and I've seen a lot of other people share this too, is before you send a connection request to someone, try to engage with them first, follow their profile, 
like or comment on something they posted. Uh, Jordan, she's a rep I work with at Datadome. What she does that's pretty effective too is her company posts really interesting content. She'll reshare it and then she'll put a one or two sentence blurb in there. And in the comments, she'll tag two or three prospects and say, hey, Charlotte, I thought you would enjoy this based on the work that you're doing at Best Buy. Yeah. You know, and then she gets yeah. meetings that way too, where you don't have to be like, you know, Charlotte, what you're doing is you're an overachiever, right? You're posting content on LinkedIn. That's great. But as a rep, you don't need to post organic, like your own content on there. You could just repost what your company's sharing or another thought leader in the space. Just provide your commentary on it and tag, don't tag 20 prospects in it. Okay? Don't be a spammer, <laughs> but tag two or three prospects in it. You know, if you want to do what you're doing, you know, again, be an overachiever, you can. But uh, if, if you don't, that's okay too. So I would think about all of that stuff first before you send a connection request so that the likelihood that someone accepts it is just way higher. And it is, there's not so much pressure that way with nailing the connection request. Because in the connection request, then you could say, hey, Nick, not sure if you saw it, but I tagged you in that post, Charlotte, about XYZ that I thought would be helpful and really love the content you're posting on, on this. If you're open to it, would love to connect. I can say something like that and it's much more real and it doesn't have to be so so like special and creative and you know all this other stuff. I can just like try to create a genuine connection first. So I don't see people really running that play very often, at least on me. Most of what I get is just a blank a blank connection request yeah. or some sort of pitch. And I actually really like that LinkedIn limited the number of connections to I think it's a hundred oh, connection yeah, requests yeah, per week. I think it's really good that they're doing that because it it brings some life back into the platform where there's not so much pressure on salespeople and there's not so much pressure on prospects just getting inundated with a bunch of shit, you know? So that's my LinkedIn rant. Uh, that's 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 what I'm seeing both working and not working right now. And the thing is like with most, and why Jordan's example is so good is most LinkedIn invites basically say in some way or another, I'm a sales rep. I'm here to sell you something. So when you accept, I'm going to pitch you instantly, which is why people don't yeah. accept because they're like, why the hell yeah. do I want to accept this annoying sales rep who's just going to literally pitch yeah. me, continue pitching yeah. me because I'm obviously in their cadence or sequence. So obviously yeah. they're not going to accept. So that example of tagging them in something useful or commenting them in something useful, it's just like, I'm actually here to help and I've researched you. You're not just yep. in some automated cadence or sequence that I'm running. So yeah, yep. so much better. Yep. What about once they've connected, what are you seeing? Bad examples and good examples? Yeah, once someone connects, I would want to share something helpful with them first. So personally, what I do with a prospect is I put together a Google Doc and it's just my greatest hits of my LinkedIn content. It's not fancy at all. Any rep could do this. You put together a one-page Google Doc, and I think there's maybe 15, 20 resources on there, but you don't need that much. Just put together a greatest hits of, if I'm reaching out to chief technology officers, it's the greatest hits of your company's content and white papers, third-party stuff. And you say, hey, I put together a, you know, a greatest hits one-pager document with stuff from Gartner and stuff from our company and stuff from Deloitte or whatever. Do you want me to share it with you? And then just drop it into the comments. That's it. This takes very little work to do, or I'm going to drop an article or do something like, I try to just do something helpful first before I go in and then, you know, pitch. 
I love this. And then I might ask a question on how are you dealing with what I'm hearing right now is a lot of people are dealing with this problem. How, are you guys running across that at all? And just have a little bit more of a conversation. That's what I love about LinkedIn. It's more like texting someone versus email. I know people say to, you know, email like you text. And I'm a big proponent of actually just really short emails and stuff, but it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's asynchronous communication. It's, it's, it doesn't feel like texting. It doesn't feel like a chat when I'm sending email to someone. And it's certainly not like talking to someone on the phone. No, it's not. I think LinkedIn's that great intermediary. Um, I'm a big fan of like doing a deposit first. It, I get so many of my meetings after someone connects. I'm like, look, I can see you have, and you can template this. I can see you have a big sales team. And obviously they have yep. a big sales team if I'm targeting them. If they're struggling like most to get replies and I have an easy email structure I can share with you that gets 11% reply rate, interested? And probably nine times out of 10 people are like, yeah, sure, share me this. Because yep. every single person in the world wants more replies right now. So just sending something useful that's going to get them talking instead of just pitching, yeah, it's yep. so much more exactly. effective for getting re replies. Right, finally, let's move on to the email side of things. Yeah, so I mean, it's all kind of the same stuff with email. The email game hasn't changed much. So mm -hmm. in terms of what people are doing bad, so it's just a lot of subject line is, you know, five to 10 words long. It's, <laughs> you know, capitals in front of all the letters. It's very marketing sounding. It's, um, you know, drive leads using yeah. this platform, you know, kind of thing. Uh, you guys have a lot of line. <laughs> Yeah, you guys have a lot of great data at Sales Loft around subject lines, and and uh, that's what I follow to a T is it, one to four word subject line. I find works really well. So if I'm sending out an email and it's about an automated welding solution that helps replace the need for manual welders, the subject line is going to be welders. That's it. I'm not going to overthink it. If I'm sending an email about cold email reply rates because I want to share something, it's going to say cold email or reply rates. Super simple. I call yeah. it boring subject lines. So keep it really simple. And an activity that you can do as a rep or as a sales leader is you could show your team what the promotions folder in your Gmail looks like and the marketing emails, and yeah. then compare that to the cold emails you get. And you'll notice all the subject lines mostly look the same as marketing emails. And then go to your primary inbox. And what you'll see is that the way you email people that you know is very different from people that email you marketing messages. So you want the cold email, the format, everything to really emulate how you would email someone that you know. And those are short subject lines. They're not all capitalized. The emails typically tend to be pretty short. I have a framework called short and C-suite cold emails. And um, a version of that would sound like this. Uh, Hi, Charlotte. Saw you run a big sales team at SalesLoft. I'm hosting a webinar on how to help them to get better results from their cold calling. Can I send an invite? Jason, and then PS, I might have something personalized in there if it's a really like high value prospect. That's it. Uh, hey, Charlotte, uh, chief revenue officer of so-and-so company shared with us how they helped get their uh, team's reply rates from five to 11%. And it actually uh, led to their biggest uh, month of opportunities for their sales team ever. Want me to share the case study with you? Question mark, Jason. P.S. Thought you'd find this helpful because you're hiring a dozen SDRs right now. That's it. That's the email. You know, so if you can work in these really short, easy to respond to emails, and if you're someone that writes really long emails, see if you could just break the email in half and then ask the person if they want to receive it. 
So I was working with another rep this morning and he's, it's a telehealth solution. So it's virtual healthcare. And he's got three really great trends that he's seeing hospitals deal with. And he puts them all into the email. And I said, hey, dude, that's like a 200 word email. Let's not put those trends in there. Let's say, uh, hey, Charlotte, uh, based on the work that you're doing at XYZ Hospital, it got me thinking about how you plan on using virtual healthcare to overcome the labor shortage. I'm seeing three clear trends that hospitals like yours are using to adopt a more virtual uh, approach uh, to make sure that their patients are satisfied. Can I send them over to you? That's it. That's the email. So instead of sending everything, I, I, I like that. Can I send it over to you? If they don't say yes, you're still going to send it over to them yeah, two days later, but it gives you it. another reason to email yeah. them. So easy to reply to as well. I feel like we're asking like, oh yeah, so I've sent you one email. Can you spend 45 minutes with me now? Like, of course they're not going to reply to you. Um, so at yeah. least these, it's kind of like, yes, a yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Send it over. And then yeah. you're just starting that conversation. Like, I prefer low touch call to actions way more than like, yep. you have time next Tuesday at 2 p.m. When, <laughs> when would you send these kind of shorter emails like as a first step? In yeah, it could be the very or, first email yeah. that you send. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, Charlotte, uh, I found a really good article on Sales Loft about short subject lines and how your reps could use it to get more meetings so that you can drive more opportunities this quarter. Can I send it over to you? Yeah. Yeah, I've been uh, testing this recently, sending a more of a deposit email first. Yeah. And then those who are interacting the most then get put into a like super personalized cadence because then at least I'm targeting people who I know are going to be engaging with my content. Um, I have a final question for you. I want to know the best sales outreach that you've seen, you've received, or you've seen someone else receive the best. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, the best is hard. Nothing comes to mind for that, but there was a really good one that a guy Christian in our outbound squad program used and I'm forgetting, you'll have to forgive me on the specific message, but he wrote a LinkedIn email to this guy. And on this guy's profile, he's an IT kind of person, I think it was. And it was, um, this guy said something about being really hard to get a hold of. And unless you personalize the message, I'm not going to look at it. So Christian writes this message that starts out with like a Game of Thrones reference. And then he ties it back into his marketing solution. So I guess it was a, a VP of marketing that he was reaching out to, not an IT person. And he got an email back that was like, hey, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And it was a long email, you know, or a long email. But the thing that he did really well is he tied it into what this person was really interested in. And he got creative with it. So that's the thing that comes to mind for me most recently as the best. But thanks, Jason, for joining me today. So much gold that everyone can be taking away from this. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully see you next time.